yet. Take your seats! Please, God! Back. Please, can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. And the Oscar goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. You're listening to another episode of Losing It Over Leo. Uh, this is a show where we talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. Today is a very special episode. Because today we are starting the third era of Leo's career. <coughs> this is late period Leo. Um, we decided to start this one off. Uh, you heard it on last week uh, on last week's episode. We decided to start this one off with one that, like, I think it's I think it's fair to say, Pierre, that like if people went to go see this movie, it was because of Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think Clint Eastwood is the draw here. Yeah, he really wasn't. I'm not sure what order like when he was this his directorial debut or how oh, many no no he's been he's been directing since the 80s i think he'd oh. actually already won an oscar for directing by this point because i think million dollar baby was before this oh okay cool i didn't know that um yeah but i i think either way i've, I've never seen uh at least compared to leo he's not much of a box office draw yeah i think there's definitely like my aunt is uh fairly old and she goes to um she goes to movies with like older women a lot and Clint Eastwood as a director is still a draw for them. But like, I think for the general public, Clint Eastwood as a director is like, Oh, I know that guy, but he's not like, I need to see the next Clint Eastwood movie. He's not, he's not a Christopher Nolan by any means. No, I I don't see him as much of an artiste, I guess, but to be fair, there's very few directors that can carry their own, uh, their own brand, I guess. So to Although speak. I do have to say, Clint Eastwood does have a fairly distinctive style, and when it works out, it works out really, really well. Um, I'm gonna say that this movie that we watched today, we'll get into it, did okay. Uh, like where Clint Eastwood's style really works is like Gran Torino, and to some degree, maybe Million Dollar Baby, where just like they're very homely stories of that, that make you that that show you like modern day life while also sort of showing you i guess I, I don't know how do i say it like gran torino is a movie that like it shows you a guy in i think 2000 oh i guess 2008 it shows you a older man in 2008 dealing with the fact that you know he's he's well past his prime and he's trying to like figure out what life is like in 2008 because he's remembering you know 1972 or something and like i guess clint East, that that's probably my favorite clint eastwood movie cuz like it just um or Clint Eastwood directed movie because it's just like he's exploring basically a man lost to time but in a very different way than like Captain America it's a more ah uh, realistic's kind of a catch-all term but like anyway that's do you, do you know what I'm saying or am I am I just completely yeah. confusing no I, I got it. it it would be it would trend to be realistic due to it being a biopic so yeah I guess uh so to, to tie it all back 
today's movie is um, J. Edgar, which is another Leo biopic. Boy, I missed those, didn't you? Yeah, I have uh, haven't seen that many recently. I think there's you been like a, five. Like, oh, we've watched so many. Like, This Boy's Life, um, The Basketball Diary, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, there Gangs was one of New York, one. kind of Gangs, Gangs of New York, sort of. Not really. That was all fictional. Well, if it was a biopic of anyone, it was like you could maybe say that for Di- Daniel Day Lewis's character. But I would say the only other one is The Aviator. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I like, guess that's a really obvious one. I should have thought of that. I gotta say, in general, not my favorite genre of Leo thing. Just like they do tend to be all over the place, so it's really hard to group them all together. And this one is very different from the other ones we've watched. It is. Well, I, I guess I don't know. I I kind of almost want to compare it to the Aviator. It felt it felt a lot like the Aviator to me when yes, I watched it, was, it. It was structured very similarly. Um, do you want to explain this one, or do you want me to? Uh, you go for it. All right. So this movie is called J. Edgar. If you don't know who that is, that's J. Edgar Hoover, who was not the first director of the FBI, but he was like the second or the third. He was very early on. And for the time that he was alive and the director of the FBI, he was basically synonymous with the FBI. Like I mentioned his name to my mom and she's and well, not only she she immediately knew who I was talking about, but she was also like, yes, he was the FBI and no one wanted to take over after him. He was that big of a force. Um, So like that's who this guy was. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays J. Edgar Hoover. And so the way that this movie is structured is uh, it takes place at the end of the 60s. Um, surrounding J. Edgar Hoover's, I guess like the framing device is partially J. Edgar Hoover arguing with Attorney General Robert Kennedy uh, in 1969, I think, um, and also trying to get a biography of himself written by by the FBI. And yeah. in that biography, he's centering the biography around his most famous case, which is the Charles Lindbergh Jr. kidnapping case. So that so in his in the sections where he's talking about his biography, we get like his rise to power and then the Charles Lindbergh case. And in the rest, we see like him at the end of his life. And so it paints a surprising. Okay, I'm going to say this right now, just so I don't get taken out of context. Uh, I did not do any additional research for this movie, so I don't know anything about J. Edgar Hoover outside of what is in this movie. now, with that with that disclaimer out of the way, this movie paints a like very um, complete picture of his life, kind of through those two um, those two plot points. And um, yeah, I thought it was really clever. It, it was really nicely done. Exactly how they balanced that, and through that, like they didn't show all of his life, but they showed enough of it that you get a very like I said, complete picture of this guy. Uh, I gotta say. Um, unsurprising for this podcast but leo knocked it out of the park i don't think any other actor could have really i can't think of any other actor who could have made that character work as well as he did and i think that i'm not going to say he fully carried the movie but like he definitely did to a degree and that is that's what i'm going to say about it did i miss anything important in the plot because i know i kind of sidestepped there um i mean the the plot is a very is very big. There's lots of parts to it. So like, I, I don't think it's possible to like explain all the intricacies of it, but you, I think you have the general basis. 
that that's the um, gist. Uh, yeah. If you're worried about spoilers, as of now, I don't care anymore. So, like, here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> We're going to talk about spoilers now when it's relevant. But I don't think that this is going to be a movie where we talk too much about the plot, honestly. Yeah. I. Uh, well, actually, okay, no, I'll, I'll start with Leo because he is the star of this show and the movie. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Leo, Leo is extremely good. Um, I think he was able to portray um jay edgar at many uh, like all the different stages of his life very efficient like very very well because mm-hmm. um, i want to say it was like kind of four maybe five different periods of his life that were really important to this movie and yeah kind of, big ones and then like three auxiliary yeah and he's almost like a different person in each of them i want to say so uh yeah he did a really great job uh and uh, I, I think he was relatively well backed up by like um I'd say, like, his dialogue was solid, even though we'll get into the script later. And, like, I think the cast around him was pretty solid for the most part. I got to um, say, uh, the the top-billed roles in this were just excellent. Uh, the other people, and we'll talk about them probably more a, la- a little later, Army Hammer was incredible as deputy director of the FBI, whose name was Clyde Tolson. Uh, Naomi Watts was great as Helen Gandy, who was like his personal secretary. Josh Lucas as Carl Lindbergh was pretty good. I mean, he didn't have to do very much, but he knocked it out of the park for a generic role. And yeah. Yeah. In general, most of the actors in this were great. There's there's one that I hated, but like in general, they were all good. And who did you hate? <laughs> uh, I, I really, really hated Christopher Shire as Richard Nixon. Probably my least favorite portrayal of Richard Nixon in all of the movies I've seen. And I've seen a surprising number of movies that feature Richard Nixon in some kind of role. So like, I thought he was bad. Uh, Is that entirely on him? I think it's more on the script than on him, but like, he wasn't good. Didn't even have that many lines either. (laughs) I think he had like six, seven lines total. Yeah, generally when I've seen Richard Nixon, he's either been an incredibly important presence in the movie, in which case they cast him very well, or a minor presence, in which case they cast someone who actually looks like him. This was a weird case where they cast someone that I guess they thought could play Richard Nixon, but he looked nothing like him. So like, he ended up not be he wasn't a major force in the movie, so he doesn't fit that role, and he wasn't cast well enough for it. And he didn't look anything like him, so he doesn't fit the lookalike role at all. So, like, he just sort of was an incredibly stupid choice, and I don't think he did very well in his role. But he got the paycheck, so yeah. good for him. And I can see why maybe they didn't want to choose an, like the sorry the usual impersonator because um, I think like the movie might have had a very awkward tonal shift if they had like you know, someone doing the accent and looking exactly like him. I might, I think it might have, like, thrown people off a bit. Yeah, true. This is not a place so, for Watchmen's Richard Nixon. I don't know if you've seen that, <laughs> but, like, that's my favorite Richard Nixon. But the he's TV also very... Or the movie. Was he? The movie. No, he wasn't... I still haven't seen the movie yet. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say uh, that that was kind of rough. But um, overall, yeah, I really liked... Uh, Army Hammer was really good in his role. It seems like he was coming off of the social network in this one. So he had a really strong uh, one-two jab in terms of movies, uh, performances at least. He's a really good actor. Naomi Watts, I really liked her, but she just, this like, I guess like it was supposed to reflect real life or whatever. So like it's a biopic, so they have to limit her role somewhat. To... It was a bit of a shame that like she didn't have 
she was very good in her role, but she was kind of sidelined fairly early on and she never really recovered. Yeah, she had very little to do. Um and I did I did read about her uh after the I watched the movie and it, it says that she she was a lot more influential than the I think the movie suggested suggested. So I I am going to probably let loose a few lightly political opinions here when it comes to movie politics. Uh sure. I would say that Clint so Clint Eastwood is not that like he, Clint Eastwood has an issue where in set a few of his movies he focuses a little too much on the male characters and not enough on the female characters and he makes movies primarily about male characters so it's not super surprising but in those movies the female characters end up getting sometimes sometimes end up getting thrown to the side a bit uh this is not a problem in million dollar baby because that is a female focused movie this is a problem in things like richard jewel where Honestly, Clint Eastwood kind of comes off as a bit of a misogynist with Olivia Wilde's character. Um, is it Olivia Wilde? It might be Olivia Munn. I don't remember which Olivia it is. But uh, it comes a little bit in that. Uh, in Sully, like, Sully's wife is just a wife. That's her entire role. She's just very generic. There are other movies that I'm missing out on right now, but he focuses a lot on the... Oh, I mean, American Sniper, but that has, like, no female characters in it at all. I mean, he, like I said... He primarily makes movies about male characters, so it's not surprising, but it is a little disappointing that Naomi Watts didn't get what she could have gotten in this. Yeah, if I was her, I would have been very disappointed because, again, I think the, the, the real person was much more interesting and more like important uh, to, to the overall plot of the movie, I guess, Yeah. than, than uh, the script stated or showed. But I, I liked her at the start. Like I thought she... She uh, she brought in like a very good presence to I balance really thought, out the yeah, uh, the intensity yeah. of uh, Leo's acting. Yeah, I really thought she was going to be a huge presence uh, going forward, just based on her first couple of scenes. Yeah, so that was sad to see. Same thing with uh, Judy Dench. Yeah, um, although another I'd... female character, I think she she was also the the script had her in a very important role, but I don't think she really got the screen time to solidify that. She had maybe. she she had surprisingly like little screens. I want to say like she was in like maybe f uh, five ten minutes total of the movie. I gotta um, say though, I felt that Judy Dench was like one of the most powerful characters in this. So I don't think she necessarily needed much more. She was an imposing presence. That's true. Like she she brought it a lot, but I I still think that was more the actor making up for the script that in a be. lot of senses. Uh, just because again, I thought uh be, be her being like probably one of, if not the only person J. Edgar um, outright trusted completely, other than maybe the uh, the guy played by Army Hammer. What's his name again? Clyde Tolson. Clyde Tolson. Even him, though, I don't know if he always ever really truly trusted him. So I, that was just disappointing. I think they could have explored that more, um, especially with Judy Dench being like, you know, a really amazing actress. Mm -hmm. so that was sad to see, but... Um, but yeah, like overall, I, I thought they they put in solid performances. I wouldn't say anything amazing, but they I, all. I do think that Army Hammer. Oh, like this is one of the this is one of my favorite Army Hammer performances. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but like I thought this was an incredibly good Army Hammer performance. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, have, I can I see haven't that. seen him in a hell of a lot of things, but like this was this was a good one. I thought his I, I the thing his character felt a little off putting. Um, just in terms of I I thought. 
he seemed very powerless, I guess, mm-hmm. which was very interesting because I thought when they first introduced him with the whole scene in the interview, it seemed like he was really challenging Jay Edgar as as a person in a lot of ways. Like he he wasn't gonna just be be like a his assistant, you know, he, he was going to be a true equal. Uh, I don't think the, the movie really lived up to that either, um, which was disappointing, I guess. But that, again, like that's another biopic thing. You can't um, get the best from everyone. Yeah. I think it would have been that's nice true. if he'd been, he, I thought he was a great performance, but he was very much the, he was very, very much a second man to, uh, to Leo's J Edgar, which like he could have been, he could have been so much more. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they really do set him up to be like this very intelligent, uh, independent, like uh, man that like really wants is very, very ambitious and wants to move up in the world, which is the whole reason why he takes like when he takes the job with the FBI, it's uh, he like specifically states that like, I probably don't want to be here that long. But if I if I will stay if if the proper opportunities arise. But as far as I can tell, he just kind of stayed in the same role until he died, essentially. Yeah. Of of old age. Actually, no, he doesn't die in this movie. But I, he he does quit when he's like looked like he was like seventy or something. So to be clear, he does eventually die. Yes, <laughs> he's not he's not this immortal dude. But <clears throat> so yeah, that that was a little sad. Um, so that the script didn't entirely like let the actors do everything they could. Um, but yeah, do, do, I the plot is the, like definitely the most. Uh, interesting part of this to me because with biopics i feel like this really doesn't fit the bill for me just because the plot had too many parts going on and it made very little sense for myself it was too many time jumps it tried to do too many things at once and i think that's a, a, a trap quite a few biopics fall into and um which is unfortunate because i i think the best biopics usually end up being one section of a famous person's life, like the most important section. I yeah. Guess. And this and, one kind of tried to balance two of the most important sections. Yeah. Simultane- well, si- not really simultaneously. It, like the first half was mostly Jay Edgar as a, as a younger man with like uh, flash forwards into the future more, mm. more so. And then the second half was slowly getting into uh, the territory of his, his uh, elder, elder years. And See, I just, I, I really, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, say what you were going to say. Oh, I just, I personally don't like that stuff. Because, um, like, yeah, to to think of, like, my favorite, I guess, biopics, like, uh, uh, funnily enough, like, three, two of them are, are uh, like, Catch, The Aviator and Catch Me If You Can, um, then I also put The Social Network in there, are really, at least The Social Network specifically and The Aviator were both really, really well done. Um, and they capture a period of about a year. Actually, no, the aviator was like 10 years, but still like they made it, they framed it so that they were only capturing very precise moments and it, it felt very connected. The narrative felt very connected, even though the time span was longer. Whereas movies like I would kind of almost compare this to Steve Jobs, I guess. I didn't love the Steve Jobs movie as much because it had so many different, it tried to cover too much territory and it's a little too ambitious for uh, a movie, a two-hour movie. And it just kind of leaves it a little messy because I, like for J. Edgar Hoover, for example, I don't see any real, like, plot that is trying to tell. 
for me myself like it just kind of feels like these are important events in his life and they happened and then let's move on to the next one whereas uh like the other the better biopics i mentioned like social network are very narratively driven where um each each plot point connects to the next one very specifically even if it takes like a few like if you even if it skips over a few months it doesn't dilly dally and it, it'll ditch anything that isn't important to the plot which i don't think this movie did very well I I don't know that I disagree with anything you just said, but I did actually like the way this movie was structured. Um, I just think I liked it for different reasons than for why you disliked it. Uh, this movie, so this movie jumps around a lot. Um, but what I really liked is at the beginning, it sets up, uh, it, it's telling his life, but it's telling his life through him narrating it through his biography. And it sets him up really well for the end when it's revealed that he's an incredibly unreliable narrator. So like, because of the way, because of the specific way that the movie sets him up as the good guy in the start, it actually sets him up as like the ultimate bad guy by the end. I found that this was a movie where J. Edgar Hoover was the bad guy of his own movie. Yeah, it was cool how they did that. I, I didn't love the execution, just because I think at that point I was just like, please let this movie end. I'm really bored. Yeah, so that's fair. If they, you know, if they brought it up earlier or like if they just made the movie like itself better, I, that would have been a really cool twist to see at the end. But I guess like the thing is, I never really saw him because it was supposed to that moment at the end is supposed to, I think, shock the audience where you're like, oh, this there's this hero. And it turns out he's not is as amazing as he said he was. Um, but first of all, like the problems with he, where he says like he didn't personally arrest these people, right? I don't really see that as like a huge deal. I thought that was kind of an odd um, conflict in the plot. Like I understand why he felt insecure about it because they were, I think, what was it? The Senate was questioning him or there was some kind of congressional committee. Yeah, it was but, either the Senate or Congress or is the Senate part of Congress? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, so I, I, that whole, like, I, I personally, I found him, like him setting up these arrests as, as the head of the FBI was fine. I don't, I never, I never really understood why it was like, people thought he was, I guess, weak for not making the arrests himself, which is just very odd. Like, why would you like, you don't get the, the police chief to arrest every single criminal like that doesn't make him a better police chief, I guess. It's just like the the main the main thing is how many is the FBI improving its security. So I, I me, thought that was uh, an odd plot point. To me, it sound it kind of seemed like the only reason they called him out for that specific thing was that they knew that would bother him. Not necessarily that it would actually bother anyone else, but like in bothering him and showing that he was rattled by that, that would just make people think less of him. Or in general, it would just bother him, which like is all they wanted to do. They just wanted to rattle him. Yeah, I guess and it would work too. So, but again, like I, I personally like I don't see him as more of a hero. Well, firstly, I never really liked him. I didn't never really like the the at least the character they portrayed as J. Edgar. No, um, I think the uh, the character J. Edgar Hoover was an egomaniac. Uh, he was a huge narcissist, um, a, a big dick to like everybody, and. Also, just not just in general, not a good person. I could find all sorts of bad words for him. He's just not a good dude. Yeah, and I I don't 
I don't think that's always the best. I mean, that's really not the best thing to do in a biopic. I think at least the protagonist has to have some relatable or likable qualities. I found him very unrelatable. I suppose. Um, but can I just say real quick, this is... Um, so Clint Eastwood's directed a lot of biopics. I've seen three of them. I've seen Jay Edgar. Oh, I've seen four of them. Jay Edgar, American Sniper, Sully, and Richard Jewell. Uh, yeah. This is my favorite of those biopics because... Oh, I guess I... Anyway, uh, this is my favorite of those biopics because what Clint Eastwood has a bad habit of doing. Here's here's me getting uh, here's me getting salty on Clint Eastwood again. Um, <laughs> what Clint Eastwood has a bad habit of doing in his biopics is immediately siding with the person that he's making the biopic on, showing us why he has never done anything wrong in his entire career, as far as the biopic is concerned, and then letting us see for two hours a bunch of people who are acting rationally, but now that we know that the person in the biopic has never done anything wrong in their life, seem like idiots, do, um, just sort of running around doing, I don't know, whatever. So, like, uh, I guess the best way to illustrate that is in Richard Jewell. At the very beginning of Richard Jewell, the character, Richard Jewell, fi- uh, suspects that someone at, the, at this concert before the Olympics might have a bomb. So he follows this guy and he finds the bomb and they clear out the area and they are able to get rid of the bomb. And that is entirely true. Uh, he has nothing to do with the bomb beforehand. Uh, everything works out. Richard Jewell is the bad, is the good guy. That happens 15 minutes in. I walked into the theater. I almost missed that part. That movie is two hours and roughly 15 minutes long. The next two hours is a bunch of people who if you know the story, have every reason to suspect that Richard Jewell is a bad guy. Um, but if you're just watching the movie are attacking Richard Jewell for no reason, even though, and it doesn't matter because we all know that Richard Jewell is in the right. So you're sitting there for two hours, kind of waiting for it to end. And in J Edgar, at the very least, the reveal that J Edgar may not have been entirely truthful about every aspect of his life comes at the end. So I did feel like Clint Eastwood did what Clint Eastwood did really well in this movie is he didn't immediately show us that J. Edgar is a Superman with no faults and then proceed to give us two hours of nothing because he does do that in some of his movies. (laughs) Sully is the same way. I really hated that movie for that reason. American Sniper is not that much different. It's just more exciting because it has to do with an American Sniper. Um, So like, I would say that uh, I forgot why I was talking about that, but J. Edgar is so J. Edgar is not the best biopic, maybe, but it is um, it is at least the most interesting considering what Clint Eastwood can do with his biopics. What I've seen, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I forgot what I was tying that to. <laughs> That's fair. I yeah. I personally haven't seen any Clint Eastwood biopics, so I. I can't uh, compare his skill. I actually no. I saw American Sniper, but I just I don't remember liking it very much. I think he has a very odd bi a biography bi bio, biography style biopic style. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find them all. I from what I remember from American Sniper, I remember it being pretty slow, uh, really depressing. Uh, from what I remember too. Oh, he's um, not interesting, and in, he's not interested in giving you a good time. He's really not. I found this movie really depressing as well. I think that's also kind of why I didn't like it. I thought it was just unnecessarily depressing. Like, I don't mind movies with older people, but like, just kind of watching for half the movie, watching this really old dude kind of not have 
like missing his prime i guess is what it felt like just felt like sad to watch Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't love that, even though, like, I guess it was well executed. It was just I just felt it was unnecessary. And that's the thing. I, I think there was like a really like a possibly a really good movie behind this. Like, because I think for the most part, he was an interesting person, like maybe not in the same vein as uh, some of these other like biopics, like like for the aviator, for example. I think the aviator was just kind of cheating because Howard Hughes was just like an amazing person and like truly like a revolutionary mind compared to j edgar who was like on like also like an extremely ambitious and like changed changed a lot in our world but also i just don't find him as interesting of a person personally but i wonder if that has to do with the way the movies were made because there's kind of no reason that a j edgar hoover biopic shouldn't be at least partially as interesting as the Naviator biopic, you know, in the in in different hands, the way that this could have been done is like, I mean, they mention it in the movie, but they never touch on it. J. Edgar Hoover spent millions of dollars of FBI's of the FBI's money in advertising, like making comic books, making TV shows. So like he wanted to be a larger than life figure. And to some degree he was. But the version of him we see in this movie is very like he's larger than life, but he's always also in the office where like in different hands, the image like the the sections of him that are made up by him could be way more exciting. He could be, you know, a, he could be basically a uh, an old timey superhero doing you know, solving crimes, even though that's not true, because like there's that whole element of that movie, too. And so it's and so like not only is there an interesting movie here in different hands, this could be potentially better than The Aviator, at least in terms of how interesting it could be. I could see that. Like, again, like 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 you said with the comics, right, that that was only mostly hinted at in the movie from what I could tell. Uh, There was never really like a direct we don't really see him directly involved in that kind of stuff. But I think that's really that's for uh, when I mentioned this to my parents. Uh, my dad immediately brought up the comic books. So people know those. So it's really strange yeah. they didn't do any more than just hint yeah. at them. Yeah. And I think also, like, if you were to ask people, like, like, J. Edgar Hoover, I think, is a more recognizable name than Howard Hughes, as far as I can tell. Um, so, I mean, they, I, that, that's the thing. I think if they kept this leaner, like, not even, like, it could be the same length. It could be two hours and 20 minutes. It's just, I didn't need the... It was trying to focus on the the old stuff and it, like if you just had this this movie about a guy who joins the FBI and then um, and then he 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 joins it and he wants to vastly improve it and he has this vision for it and the movie is about him achieving this vision meanwhile dealing you know with the problems with his sexuality and like the rumors about him and like putting making the FBI more public and uh, his issues like with his mother sort of like. That's that in itself is already a really dynamic and interesting plot idea, right? Mm. I think that's like again, that sounds like equally as interesting as the Aviator, in my opinion. But they they just cut that that part of his life up completely um, because they want. I guess the the theme that Clint Eastwood seemed to be trying to get at was that theme of uh, like this. We we had this visionary that was really cool, but then he just kind of aged out of his prime. And he didn't, and he kind of uh, regrets 
or he misses he misses like his old life that's what it seemed like it was hinting at but I, I don't think that's a very interesting theme to me just because um i think what they had initially is much much more interesting to watch and mm-hmm. less tiring i guess to watch too so yeah i i think it's unfortunate i don't know how much of it is is on clint eastwood because they didn't i don't know how much involvement he had in writing the script but like i think you could have easily like taken the script in my opinion and been able to possibly get a much better movie out of this mm-hmm. so yeah maybe a few rewrites uh and maybe a different director. I don't love his directing style. I, I thought the the scenes were really dark, overly dark. The movie just felt gloomy in general. There was no energy to it. Uh, the scenes just kind of... Uh, it's like uh, like a movie that's like walking, you know? It doesn't really... It's not really trying to be more than it has to be. It just felt like it was portraying this stuff and and moving on. Which was, I guess, unfortunate too. There was no, it didn't feel any ups and downs for me. It was interesting because, like, visually, it was a no, it was a noir movie, but it wasn't that at all. No, the, yeah, and like there were parts, like the there were parts where I could like barely see what was, especially at the start. I noticed there were, can't really tell what was going on in some cases, and which was on purpose. Like, I think the light, it looked all right. It just, I don't think it matched like the tone. Yeah, um, I. I guess I would have liked to have seen in this movie for a lot of the interesting elements of this movie to just line up better. Cause like I liked the way this movie looked, but as you said, it didn't match the movie. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it kind of did. I, I can see maybe why they did it. Like it matches the older scenes more, but again, I just didn't like it. I felt it was unnecessary. And then I think at the, especially at the start, you have a lot of energy from this character right you have this young guy who's who's moving up the ranks in the FBI granted that happens very quickly and early in the movie doesn't he get promoted to director in like the first 20 minutes or something it's okay, pretty fast yeah. so again like that's something they had to cut out just because they they had to focus on his old life as well which was um unfortunate because i thought that was a really cool point in that character's life but then you have all this excitement and like it's not really reflected in the cinematography or the lighting or the music. It's just kind of there. He, he gets promoted and you don't really feel anything because it's just like, oh, that, that felt like it came out of nowhere. And like, it doesn't feel like this movie wants me to feel good for him. So I got to say, like, the, I feel like the, the visuals of this movie are a little bit of a lost, um, lost opportunity or a missed opportunity because... Um, like you said, the the darkness of this movie kind of matches the older scenes quite a bit. And the older scenes are all the ones that are fictional. They're the ones that aren't necessarily happening. That's with the unreliable narrator. So if they would have like if there would have been more of a distinction between the older between the visual, the look of the older scenes and the look of the newer scenes, that would have really emphasized that a lot more. And it didn't necessarily need to be emphasized, but like it could have been. And I think that would have been a good use of that uh, of that visual style, and it would have also like set this apart from other movies Clint Eastwood's done, like Jersey Boys, which <laughs> has that whole style the whole way through. And I didn't love it. I didn't love that whole movie though. So yeah, I just I guess I don't love Clint Eastwood. As, he just feels tiring when I watch him. I don't feel any artistic vision behind the movie. So just in general, I I don't I'm not, not a big fan of this movie. I guess I'm just not focused. I can't really say much 
else about like the other aspects of it just because the plot is so dull that i couldn't really focus um but i'm like i'm sure like everyone else like it, it felt like a well-made movie like if that makes sense like the sets were pretty nice and like oh, this movie was extremely competent yeah um you had like decent cinematography like like the lighting wasn't terrible it was just like it, if if it matched like the the themes better and stuff and like the editing was all right like the, the movie f- sort of flowed i guess it's just you could have taken a lot out of it too so um and there were some like really emotional moments i i did really like the scene um that that stuck out to me was sort of the scene where his mom died i didn't really care about like when his mom died actually but specifically the scene after where he's like when he copes with it he, he tries on her dress I thought that was really interesting to watch and revealed like a lot about his character in like a very uh, unspoken way. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what to take from that scene, but that's just a good scene. And that I think it says a lot, but it doesn't explain anything specifically. So like the audience feels the, the character development, but even though they don't completely understand it. So I think that's very efficient, like uh, character development and storytelling uh, the the subplot with like Army Hammer when when that kind of escalates into a climax was really cool. Yeah, I thought that that was like one of the best subplots in the movie. I almost didn't. I, I almost cared about that more than the actual things that were happening in the movie. Yeah, well, for sure, because it was like the only part of the movie that really had any emotional, like either character, like any of the characters really had any emotional attachment to. I guess. So because like like Naomi Watts, for example, I never felt she felt really out of place because her character doesn't have any emotional attachment to the plot at all. Like at the start, they say she's a like she says she's a a career driven woman that doesn't really want to get married. And we never see anything about that ever again. Like she just she just kind of is there and and does stuff. And that that like she has no we never see her like, does she have any dreams for the FBI? Like. Does she like working for J. Edgar? Does she does she want more? Like, what what's going? Does she get married? Like, I have no idea. Same thing with like J. Edgar. They there's a. I don't. Did we ever see his wife? Like Mrs. Mrs. Hoover. We did not. I actually really? wasn't a hundred percent sure he'd been married by the end, but he clearly was because I think he at one point comments. He complains about the way that his wife cooks his eggs. Yeah, some like so were... or maybe or was it the maid? Maybe it was the maid. It could have been the maid. But like, again, like we never see, he talks, that's a pretty big plot point where he says to Army Hammer, like, um, well, like the subplot is that they're, they're very much in love with each other, but neither are, or at least uh, J. Edgar doesn't want to admit this for partly, I think, or definitely because um, his mother would never have approved and he doesn't want to let his mother down. But then also, you know, it wasn't really, unfortunately, acceptable at the time. So that like that whole scene where he's like, I'm thinking about seeing a Mrs. Hoover or like make me <laughs> having a wife essentially and explains that to Army Hammer that that plot line kind of gets dropped again, because once you have that conflict, like we don't see him get married. We don't see like, is he conflicted about getting married? Like, does he love his wife in any way? There's there's I think there was a lot there as well that just kind of gets ditched. And it's from it's from my odd two seconds of uh, research here it does not seem to me like he ever got married so that's probably why that plot line was resolved because they uh, worked it out but that would have been good to see right yeah like it, it, 
It would have given us something because, like, there we go. Like, I didn't even know he wasn't married at the end. I guess it makes sense because, you know, when he dies, it's uh, Army Hammer is basically the only person to come to his place to say to say goodbye. But and Army Hammer's character, Clyde Tolson, does inherit his entire estate, from what I remember. Yes. Yeah. So, like that, that would have been cool, like interesting. I guess, yeah, they just kind of drop it, and I, I, I was really confused by that. So, yeah, like there's little things like that. Is like I, I really wish there was more emotional uh, narrative to this because they had they had a really strong like the I'd say like the the performances and the chemistry between Army Hammer and Leo were really good. Um, mm. I could feel it from the first time that like they i guess leo i don't think i've seen leo play like uh i guess like the first time that i've personally seen leo play a gay man though i did think that he played one in the 90s in a movie we did not yet talk about oh okay oh no didn't he wasn't he gay in like this is either this boy's life or basketball diaries didn't he have like didn't he almost get a dude or something in the basketball diaries he prostituted himself for drugs oh okay never mind which does not necessarily mean he was gay. It, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it wasn't really a thing, and it wasn't really a big plot point in that movie. Yeah. So, like, I thought. I mean, it was kind of jarring because I, I think I've seen Leo play the like the ladies' man so many times. I was a little like odd to see him in this role, but I think he like fit it really well, especially mm-hmm. once Army Hammer came in. I, I thought they played that dynamic really, really smartly. Like, you could instantly tell. Leo was like attracted to him when they, they first meet, right? And yeah. the the way they're staring at each other and stuff. It was really well done. So like I think and they, they do focus. That's actually like probably one of the main the mo- probably the actually the most important plot line in the movie. Hmm. Um and that worked really well. Like I, I love that stuff. I just I wish there was more with other characters, I guess. Yeah. And they kind of gave this plot a little more resolution. because there wasn't I guess it didn't really need resolution and that like, it was just kind of like an unspoken thing that they, they had until, until like the movie ended. But that like, that's the stuff I think a movie should focus on. And like what people are most interested in is, is, uh, is those um, emotional connections and like the, the, what the audience can really relate to. Cause there was yeah. thing like, that's why I love the social network. It's not really about, uh, it's not really about Mark, Zuckerberg making Facebook it's mostly about a friendship being destroyed mm-hmm. and and Mark also coping with uh losing his girlfriend by making the Facebook essentially and that like that's see that's like interesting to me whereas like Jay Edgar I never really felt that emotional connection from many characters in the movie other than that main relationship yeah you, sort of, you see the elements of it but it doesn't get to flourish the way it does in say like in, in like the social network yeah especially because like I would say the the romance with Army Hammer wasn't really connected to whatever the main plot was, which I still don't really understand. Like with the whole, I guess growing the FBI, like it was it was technically connected, but I don't think that emotional the emotional like I guess connection they had really affected his other world. So it just felt really separate, and um, yeah, I. And that's why I think it kind of loses its importance in the movie, even though it, it really is, uh, from what I can tell, the main plot, in my opinion. And it was like the only consistent plot throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it's, it had some, this movie had some good points, but 
Um, yeah, overall, I didn't, I didn't love it. But what would you say overall? Overall, I liked this movie, like I said, a lot more than I expected to. Um, I think that of the movies we're about to, well, like we're about to watch some really great movies. This is, this is not my least favorite Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio movie we've watched so far, but like, it's going to be my least favorite of the next five for sure. Yeah, I definitely, wait, are we watching Gatsby? Is that yeah, on the list? The Great Gatsby okay. is next. I still, that's the only one I see competing with this, <laughs> but I guess well, in then. terms of this, uh, this reminded me a ton of Gangs of New York in that it was just over bloated and uh, it had a great performance from Leo. Actually, like two really strong performances, I'd say, like Leo and D- Daniel Day-Lewis from Gangs of New York. And then this was Leo and Army Hammer, in my opinion, both put in I really would definitely say that like in that, maybe in that, I would say that both Army Hammer and Leo were better in this than Leo in Gangs of New York, though. Not that Leo was bad in Gangs of New York, but like this is this is, a, this is much better than in Gangs of New York for sure. It was, yeah. I, I definitely say Leo had improved as an actor at, uh, by this point in his life, too, in general. So, yeah. Well, like, what uh, is he coming off of going into this movie? Let me find out. I think, I think it was Inception, like literally. It, I think so. Was there something in between Inception and this? I think. I I, I think there think was so. a documentary. Nope. That he narrated. Just Inception. Oh, oh he okay. might. Oh well, let me let me check if there was a documentary. No. I remember seeing he not between a... not between this. Oh god damn it! That's producer. It looks like probably not, but it is possible. This list that I'm looking at doesn't. I'm not. I don't trust that it's comprehensive. Oh okay, cool. So yeah, I definitely say that this is like. Well, I think this is like one of the worst movies I've seen from Leo, at least. I'm kind of surprised he took this, especially at this point in his career, where I think like, I guess, I guess this is a very juicy role yeah, uh, for I anyone. Mean, I'm not surprised he took this. Like you said, this yeah. is a juicy role. And also, I thought that this role, I mean, I've said this a million times by now, but like Inception was the first movie that I, well, blood diamond but blood diamond and inception i thought he was like not feeling like a kid in these in these roles and in jay edgar he was definitely not that like he felt like a man the whole time like he wasn't this was this was in no way a coming of age story which is not what the um, the majority of his movies are not technically coming of age stories but they all kind of feel like that and this one does not so i don't know if that influenced his decision at all but this is very different from any other role he's done. And it is also a good role, or at least a potentially good role. Yeah. So I guess I can see why I take it. It's very Oscar Beatty. Was he nominated? Oh, no. This movie was nominated for nothing. Oh, wow. Okay. Critics did not love this movie. Uh, Roger oh. Ebert did, but not many critics in general. Okay. Because I've seen, I've seen some like bad movies where like the, the main actor will get a nod, even though like the movie wasn't that good. Um, which I think Leo could have stood a chance, but yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have praised for this movie. Yeah, even though I don't think I he should have won for it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so I mean, like I I can kind of see. I was just it was kind of odd. I guess he does make some odd choices. Like he'll have some amazing movies, but then you'll have like the odd like like there's a couple movies I saw he made in 2008, which felt like weird choices. Uh, and then like the Great Gatsby, I still think is a weird choice for him at that point in his career. Just because I think it might have been just like as a favor because like Toby McGuire was in it and Baz Luhrmann who directed like Romeo and Juliet, which I think was like the movie that really got him into 
um, into the into the view sites of the bigger directors. Uh, that might be why he took that one as well. Also, I'm not gonna lie, like he got the opportunity to play Jay Gatsby, which is Jay Gatsby. You know, no matter who the director is, the character of Jay Gatsby is one of the like paragons of American mythology. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's. I guess it's a similar case here where he he just really wanted to take that role, which makes sense. But yeah, a, a little surprising because I thought he might have a better eye for the script, but it might not have mattered at this point for him. He didn't really care. I don't so. think the script was terrible, at least not for him. Like the script wasn't fantastic, but like it wasn't really really bad either. And like it certainly wasn't for J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover had the best lines in the movie because he had the most lines in the movie. Yeah, by far. So yeah. Just but real yeah. Quick, uh, Sorry, go ahead. If, if he would have been nominated for best actor this in, in that year for this movie, he would have been up against John Dujardin, uh, the first, I believe the first non-American, uh, not non-American, non-English speaker, non-native English speaker to win Best Actor for a movie. Uh, George Clooney, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, and Damien Bashir, all of which were up for, for like, incredibly good movies. Like, he would not have had a chance. Okay, yeah. There you go. Um, so, you know, kind of an odd choice, but I, I, I can see why he did it. But yeah, overall, I'd say this movie, to me, is like, uh, I want to say, like, a three- I I just really didn't like it. I was pretty bored throughout the whole thing. I think it hurts more in that like it had a lot of potential with some amazing performances and some and some aspects of the story being really cool. But I'd say just like the other seventy five percent was just like incoherent and uh, messy for myself. So yeah, but I, for a Leo scale, I think I'd give this like a seven seven maybe seven point five. I would definitely agree with you on the Leo scale. I'm going to put it 7 or 7.5. Like, this is a very, very good performance. Not necessarily one of his best, but certainly up, like, certainly good. Like, deserving of more than an average. As far as movies go, I'd put it at, like, a 5. Like, I wouldn't watch this again. I did enjoy it a lot the first time I watched it. So, that's what I would say. Okay, cool. But yeah, so what's uh, next on the Leo? Well, hold on. I think, I keep telling myself to remember this and then forgetting it we need to mention just real quick there's not much to say about this this is the film debut of adam driver academy oh, award yeah. nominee adam driver yeah thank god you mentioned that so he was in this movie i thought he would have had a bigger role i saw him i'm like is that adam driver and it was but that was yeah. it. Was just in it for like 30 <laughs> seconds. I was really sad. I literally like, I wasn't even watching the TV because at this point I was just kind of like, like kind of watching it, but not really paying attention. And then I saw like a glimpse of him. I was like, oh my God, it's Adam Driver. And then it was for like 10 seconds. And then he left. I was like, so is he coming back? Because I remember this was, I think we talked about this. This was like his first uh, like big director movie role with a big director, I think. No. This was his first movie role. Oh, okay. Never mind. In so, like altogether, he I had was, not been in a movie before. I was really happy to see him, and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait to see more of him because you know, like this, the role he was given was literally just like this random dude. It was almost like he was an extra, honestly. 
It was like a ca- or like a cameo scene or something. Yeah, I remember like they said hi to him and they asked him their question and like he answered and then they were about to go away and I'm like that that can't be the only lines from Adam Driver and he went hey don't you don't you want to know I got his license plate and I'm like oh there we go another line <laughs> and then they left that, that was it yeah it was kind of sad because I remember seeing like um his his filmography and just being like wow he's been with like so many like really good and like famous directors. So I thought it would be cool to see like how he grew after from this movie, but I I don't think he learned very much from working with Clint Eastwood. If I had to guess, this was a big role for him anyway. Yeah, either way, it it was his first movie role. So yeah, seems like his kind of seems like his first real big role wouldn't be until maybe Francis Ha, otherwise Inside Lewin Davis, two years later. Yeah, I was going to say Inside Lewin Davis. We should talk so, about Lewin Davis. I saw that movie like eventually. Yeah. I don't even remember. So, yeah, I, I was happy to see Adam. I, I'm not going to lie, I was probably the most excited I was in the movie, like, at all. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of unfortunate for Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. And uh, I guess I won't be seeing another Clint Eastwood movie for a while, just I'll... for personal choice. I'll uh, try and find a really good one for you. He's got some really good movies, I will say. It's this. This is not necessarily one of them. Okay, he's good. Got, like, he's got a couple of different styles. I would say when Clint Eastwood tries to tackle a real story or like a story that feels real, because you know the biopics. I'm gonna lump Gran Torino in with those biopics, even though Gran Torino is not real. Um, it's it's a different style than when he like does a western. Because he did, uh, he did the Unforgiven, which is the only time that he's been nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role and also Best Director at the same time. It's actually the only time he's ever been nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. That movie is incredible, but like that's also a very, very different style from this, which I'm, I, I would assume you would like to hear. I don't know if you'll like that style, but it sounds like you did not like this. Yeah, I really would like a different style of movie. It might be just my taste. I I don't like I don't I did not like the style of this movie in general. I just I find it very bland. Um I love exciting movies and this is like sure. like blockbusters and like this was very not a blockbuster movie. So Well, we are luckily getting to exciting movies soon. Yes. Uh, not even good. soon. Actually next. You know how I said we were doing the Great Gatsby next? I was wrong. Yes, because we're doing Django Unchained, right? Yeah, so are you ready for a three-hour movie? Because, like, I'm kind of not, but it is Django Unchained, so I'm excited. Honestly, I still am. I haven't seen this movie for a while, but it's probably one of the most, like, memorable movies I've, I've, I've ever watched. And, like, oh. it was really, really good, too. So, and probably, like, I'd say it's, like, Quentin Tarantino is at, at about his peak. It's, uh, in my opinion. it's one of his best. I think that like the only Quentin Tarantino movies I like better than Django Unchained are Inglorious Bastards and The Hateful Eight. Yeah, same. I, I maybe I Hateful Eight is very uh, polarizing for me. I, I love it sure. personally, but then like I can kind of see why it's not as great in certain ways. The Hateful so, Eight is extremely dialogue heavy, and Quentin yeah. Tarantino is great at dialogue, but like. He's also really good at action. And so, and the Hateful Eight has very little spurts of that. Spurts of that. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I see it like, I, I love it for what it is. It's just like, it's kind of odd for me because, like, if his whole filmography was that, I wouldn't love it as much. 
for but sure. Just because this was like Tarantino, in my opinion, Tarantino at his max in terms of just like because I know Tarantino he loves dialogue. His, yeah, it was Tarantino at his peak doing the most Tarantino thing you can do while also taking like a harsh left turn from what he'd been doing before. visual stuff. Yeah. And I, I love that for it. And it's like, it's definitely also like one of my favorite movies. Um, and then we, we kind of see his decline where he takes the, the Tarantino style too far with, in my opinion, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Well, we'll but... see. I honestly, I mean, we should probably talk about this. Uh, when we actually talk about a Tarantino movie, yeah, but that's my, a fair point. It, it's my firm opinion that every other movie by T- Quentin Tarantino is like incredible. And the ones that are the even movies or no, every even movie by Quentin Tarantino is incredible. And the ones that are the odd movies are like hit or miss. Yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, next time we're going to be talking about Django Unchained and um, man, get ready for that. That's going to be fun. Exciting. We'll see you guys then.